0: James chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into our meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbour as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favouritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment.
1: Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you all here again. Now, to start off with today... Have you ever been discriminated against? I'm assuming some of you are probably nodding your heads. I think that probably most likely because of your racial characteristics or your gender, maybe you have experienced discrimination before. If that's ever happened to you, how did you feel when you knew that you were being discriminated against? I imagine perhaps you felt. Sad or disappointed, maybe even a touch angry. It's not nice, is it, when people judge you simply on the basis of superficial characteristics? Now we know that many forms of discrimination are bad. However, sometimes some forms of discrimination are necessary. For example, our society distinguishes quite strictly between children and adults doesn't it there are a lot of things that adults are allowed to do that children aren't permitted to do like drinking alcohol or getting married or being able to vote at elections we have age restrictions on when children can learn to drive a car these are all forms of age discrimination and most of the time society accepts such discriminations as appropriate and what we do basically is we kind of as a society we separate out acceptable forms of discrimination from those that we deem to be unacceptable such as discrimination on the basis of race religion gender or disability but what about in the church Have you felt yourself being unfairly discriminated against in the church? In today's passage, in James chapter 2, verses 1 to 13, James raises the issue of partiality or favouritism within the church community. He contrasts two men who have come to visit the congregation. There's a rich man wearing radiant clothes with a gold ring on his finger and a poor man who's wearing filthy clothes. And James says that if the church were to respond to these visitors by paying attention to the rich man more than to the poor man, that's a form of improper partiality or improper discrimination. By inviting the rich man to sit in a seat of honour, whereas the poor man is invited to stand in a spot further away or to sit on the ground beside someone's feet, the church members who have shown favouritism to the rich man have set themselves up as judges with evil thoughts, says James in verse 4. But why is it wrong from God's perspective to distinguish between rich people and poor people in terms of how we treat them in the church? Well, James states the basic principle in verse 5 where he says, Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? How much money a person has has nothing to do with whether they have faith in Jesus or not. The principle is every believer is equally an heir of the kingdom of God. Every person of faith that we come across is a co-heir of the kingdom. And we need to keep in mind here that all heirs, are equally children of God, and God treats us as equals on that level. So in a similar way, we need to make sure that we're valuing our fellow believers, valuing one another as co-heirs of the kingdom. On that fundamental level, no one is more important than anyone else, and everyone should be treated equally. James adds in for his readers that back in their day, the majority of Christians weren't rich. And in many parts of the world, it's probably still like that. In fact, it was the wealthy back then who were using their means and influence to oppress Christians and drag them before the courts and say bad things about Christ and Christianity. In verse 8, James reminds his readers of the need for the royal law to be upheld. And the royal law is the commandment to love your neighbour as yourself. This law first occurs in Leviticus 19, verse 18, but it's also a law that featured prominently in Jesus' teaching. A classic example is the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. The command to love your neighbour as yourself is probably here called the royal law because of the way in which Jesus the King used it in his teaching. The royal law, like all divine laws, needs to be followed and fulfilled. Where to love our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ equally. There shouldn't be partiality when it comes to the fundamental duty to love one another as Christ has loved us. In verse 9, James points out that showing favoritism constitutes a sin. It's a transgression of the royal law. So by showing favoritism, we become ourselves transgressors of God's law. In verses 10 and 11, James reminds his readers and us through them that we are to be committed to putting into practice the whole of God's law and not just parts of it. For example, if you say you haven't committed adultery but you go out and murder someone, then obviously you become a transgressor of God's law. In a sense, when we stumble in doing one part of the law, we become guilty of the law as a whole, of all parts. Now, obviously, God still makes distinctions as to who has done what and how serious individual sins are in a relative sense. But any sin makes anyone equally a sinner as anyone else who was committed to sin. I think James is telling us this to remind us that how we treat one another in the church, how we love one another, this is a commandment that must be followed as equally as all of the other commandments that apply to us through the gospel, which James describes here as being the law of freedom. In verse 12. And there in verse 12 and also in verse 13, James reminds us of the importance of mercy. And I think he's doing this because love, when you think about it, is a form of mercy. Mercy is showing kindness to someone when it's in your power to do otherwise. Now, in reality, it's very easy for us to hurt other people through what we say and do. It lies within our power to make other people's lives a misery to some extent. So, when we choose to show love, we're also choosing to show mercy. And the benefit for us in showing mercy through love is that by practicing mercy, God will also show mercy to us when it comes time for judgment. And this is basically the principle of reaping what you sow. If we sow the seed of mercy in how we treat other people, that seed will grow and produce more mercy. So in the end, we will receive mercy ourselves from God on the day of judgment. And this is also why James describes the gospel as the law of freedom. The law of the new covenant, the body of revelation given by God to govern his people during the new covenant age, this revelation or law, it's the gospel, isn't it? It's what Jesus said and did and what has been passed down through the apostles to us today. And the gospel can accurately be described as the law of freedom because it offers mercy at the same time as it commands us to do God's will. This is very important because as James writes in verse 13, mercy exalts over judgment. Mercy trumps judgment. Even though all of us have transgressed God's law, if we are people whose speech and action is modelled on God's mercy as revealed to us in the gospel, then God's mercy will also be applied to us on the day of judgment. We will experience the forgiveness of our transgressions. And this contrasts, doesn't it, with the person who hasn't shown mercy towards others james says that judgment is merciless to the one who hasn't shown mercy so friends i think the question for us today is to what extent have we been guilty of the sin of partiality or favoritism within the church and i'd like to raise at this point three issues to get us thinking For us at HPCC to be aware of. Uh, In terms of our church at HPCC, the first thing we need to be careful about is the issue of the English congregation versus the Chinese congregation. Now, I think that issue has come up at times in the past. Partly it's unavoidable because we have two congregations. Uh, But also, for example, when you think about the leadership structure of our church, the deacons at HPCC, well, the vast majority of them belong to the Chinese congregation, don't they? And they outnumber those who belong to the English congregation. And because they outnumber the English deacons, they have to be careful that they don't favour the Chinese congregation at the expense of the English congregation. In a similar way, We might be members of the English congregation and obviously we want the English ministry to be strong and healthy and to be resourced sufficiently to be able to develop the English side of things. But while advocating for support for the English ministry here, we also need to keep in mind that the Chinese ministry is just as valuable in God's eyes as the English ministry that we're a part of. The second potential issue with favouritism at HPCC that I'd like to raise this morning, it has to do with the fact that the majority of the members of our church are genetically related to each other in some way. There are some dominant family groups, right, that make up. The majority, I think, is probably still like that at HPCC when you look at the English congregation, the Chinese congregation together. So those who are part of the dominant family groups within the church need to be particularly aware to treat those who aren't family relatives just as warmly and fairly as they would someone who's related to them genetically. In the end, every believer is a co-heir of the kingdom, right? We're all brothers and sisters in Christ and should be treated with equal respect and valued in the same way. And the third issue that I'd like to raise for you to think about this morning is probably a more general issue that applies to a lot of churches, really. And this is the question of who you spend time with when we gather together as a church or participate in church activities. If all you do is just spend time with a select group of people and not really interact more broadly, getting to know other people in the church, then to what extent are you effectively showing favoritism? I'll give you an example here. How would you feel if the pastor of the church only ever interacted with and spoke with a specific group of individuals in the church and didn't make the effort to get to know everyone wherever possible. I reckon you'd probably feel that the pastor was showing favouritism. In a similar way, being part of a church means that where socially appropriate and where practically possible, God wants us to get to know other believers and to express an appropriate level of care and concern for them. So as you have opportunity over the months and years that we meet together, try and make the effort to get to know your brothers and sisters in Christ whom you don't know so well. And as you do so, put into practice. The royal law of love. Instead of having favorites within the church, we're to show mercy and to love one another, aren't we? That's what James is teaching us today. And it's consistent with what Jesus taught his disciples on the night in which he was betrayed. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you that you also might love one another. Friends, we are co-heirs of the kingdom to be treated equally with love and mercy. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, our loving God, the God who has entered into this world in the person of Jesus to show the extent of your love for us. As Jesus hung there on the cross, he gave up his life for every one of your people equally. And we thank you for your love, which on that level, Lord God, does not discriminate between rich or poor or male or female or what nationality a person might happen to be. Lord God, we thank you for this reminder this morning through the book of James that there should be no favouritism within the church. We ask your forgiveness where we have been guilty of fostering favouritism among us in some way at HPCC or more broadly in other Christian communities. We ask, Lord God, that you would help us to see the royal law which calls upon us to show love and to show mercy. And, Lord, as we love and as we show mercy to our brothers and sisters in Christ, we look forward to the day that even when we stand before you on the day of judgment and our sins will be pointed out, yet there will be mercy for us. Just as you have had mercy on us in Jesus, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to show mercy to one another and to be exuberant in our care and concern and compassion for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, we thank you for this reminder today. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, now it is time for some Q and A. Uh, if we can get Reverend Coxett back on the screen, and we'll go through some questions. All right, I think we've got two questions so far on Padlet. First questions is uh, what is considered acceptable and unacceptable discrimination? Yeah, good question. I think in the end, when it comes to discrimination within the church or the Christian community, in the end, we have to look at Scripture, don't we, to work out what is acceptable and unacceptable discrimination. But in general, unacceptable discrimination tends to have things to do with just the external appearance of people. Mm. So, the ones that the Bible mentions in particular we 've got uh, distinctions as to social status, say rich versus poor mm. you shouldn 't make distinctions in terms of how how God looks at people or values people, whether they 're rich or poor, and how you treat people whether they 're rich or poor. Old testament very strong about when say a poor person comes to uh, a court of law and they're up against a rich person, you shouldn't favour the rich person at that point. There needs to be justice, which is fair okay. for all. So rich and poor is one. Uh, the other one would be nationality, stepping across into the new covenant. There's no distinction now between Jew and Gentile and how you treat people, depending on what their nationality is. Yep. Another one that you get in the scriptures would be uh, children. Children are to be valued just as equally as as adults are. And remember, there's an incident when some parents bring children to Jesus to be blessed and the disciples want to get the children to go away. And Jesus says, mm. no, hang on here. The kingdom equally can belong to children just as much as it does to adults. Mm. And also another one would probably be male and female. We know that in terms of salvation in the scriptures, then how God values a person created in his image, there's no difference as to whether you're male or female at that point. The distinctions that are made in the Bible, I think, tend to have to do with people who are going into leadership positions, right? Because when you want someone to be a leader, then you will look at their not external characteristics, right? We shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. but you look then at their character and internal characteristics to work out who would be appropriate in certain positions of leadership. But Mm -hmm. apart from that, in general, how we treat one another in the church, it doesn't matter what your social status is, your nationality, your background, whatever. If Mm -hmm. you're a believer in Christ, you're a co-heir of the kingdom, you're Mm -hmm. a brother and sister. And so we should have that family feeling, shouldn't we, in terms of our care and concern for mm-hmm. everyone who is a fellow believer. Yep. Um, thank you for that. Well put. Our uh, next question is, um, is, what if we don't talk to someone because we don't click as well as other people? Yeah, sometimes it can be like that. And I yeah. did say where it's socially appropriate. So mm. obviously, you know, if you're a young child and there's this older person, there's going to be some distance there, right? So we wouldn't expect a, a young child to have a deep and meaningful conversation with a <laughs> with a 30-year-old kind of stranger in the, in the church or whatever. So, you yeah. know, it's got to be socially appropriate. Mm. But at the same time, there should be this general concern for those of us who are adults in particular, that we're not just stuck in our own little group, right? That we are actually concerned for every single member of the church. Mm. And to do that in order to pray for people within the church, to some extent we need to get to know them, right? Mm. Uh, The better we get to know someone, the more we can sort of encourage them and also be more specific in our prayers for that person as well. So, yeah. Mm. And I guess there. if there are issues where maybe if you clash with another person, then maybe, you know, don't interact with them every Sunday or whatever it may be, but there should be this basic level of concern. There should be, if you see them, you greet them, you generally want to know how they're going. Mm. And in that interaction with them, you should be trying to encourage them.